and welcome back to Hey Enter Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast that covers everything. There's no thing going on about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow the podcast that is at HEFPOD. Email the podcast that is HeyEintrachtFrankfurt at gmail.com. Some people do that from time to time. And, of course, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HEFPOD. All the latest English language content covering the Eintracht Frankfurt from uh, player profiles to new breaking news to transfer rumors, all found in one convenient location for all the English language content you could ever use for looking after your club that is Eintracht Frankfurt so here to talk about a match of the weekend kind of ugly match and also uh, preview the season and basically see where we go ladies and gentlemen because guess what it is time for us to talk about the Bundesliga season and it's none other than Chris sitting pretty in uh, sunny Detroit. Well, last time I checked, how are you doing, Chris? Uh, I'm doing good, Brian. I uh, couldn't be doing any worse on our offense right now. So, I got that going for me. Oh, brother. Uh, <laughs> where to begin? Where to begin? Um, yeah, so in case someone lived under a rock or has been away on vacation, lucky bastard that you are, <sighs> the DFB Pokal came, the DFB Pokal taketh away um this kind of feels like when we lost to ulm in the first round of the dfb pokal as eintracht went out to uh in a blaze of glory ha not like not freaking happening uh in the dfb pokal eintracht faced up against uh the local the local club Mannheim. you know there's a lot of fan friendships and everything but Damn it all the hell if this didn't piss me the, the fuck off. Because guess what? This is one of the games that was being showed live across the world. And the Ein- <coughs> Excuse me. The Eintracht just shit the bed. Um, are other clubs capable of doing this? Perfectly so. But the thing was, there's issues all over the pitch. Chris, I will let you just run with this. And uh, I'll just interlude when need be. Well, I'd prefer to punt. But I can't. So let's just get into it. Uh, we hype. Are you punting Aussie style or traditional American style? Whichever goes <laughs> further, and I can't see the ball. Anymore. But we spent the majority of the summer all excited when we moved. While we lost Silva, we kind of all knew that was coming. We had optimism, hope with a new system with Glasner. And uh, we came out against the third division side and got one single shot on target despite 40, 74% uh, possession, 83% passing, and yet one single shot on target. Um, our best defender went out with a red card and we allowed two. I think I think we said uh, Mannheim is the third division side. Third division so, side that has one point from two matches in the league play. Yep, yep. I'm... Uh, that's all I have I'm to say I'm making it sound it. even better. <laughs> it, 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 it was shit. There is no other way around it. Um, we cannot we cannot overlook the fact it's the first match in the new regime. We've been through this before with slow starts, with early burnouts um, in, <clears throat> in the cup. But this one felt different because I think... How is this different than Hutter? We got pulverized by Bayern. And then against Ulm, we also looked toothless. The, the difference against Bayern was that we weren't expected to win that. We actually hung around better, I think, than some people had expected, um, myself included. Now, the, the cup loss against Ulm, that kind of speaks for itself, but I thought we played better in that one than we did in this one. This one, maybe for the first 15 minutes, we had some nice passing, some good crosses, a couple headers that, that were off target. But... Um, there was no substance, no fight after the first 15 minutes. I thought we kind of settled in after the first 15 and said, okay, we, we have the upper hand. Uh, eventually things will fall our way. We just have to be patient, keep pushing. But we didn't. 
we let off the gas, uh, they took over, and really there was kind of a point before their first goal uh, when they scored in the 48th, um, late in the first half where you realize, oh shit, it's still scoreless, we have nothing to go for, you kind of felt like if that first one went against us, it ruined any any chance, any opportunity we would have, and that's exactly the way it felt. Well, watching this match uh, in repeat because I have uh, a need to just want to throttle myself. And I'd also look back into uh, Glasner's uh, first uh, Pokal match. You know, he got taken to the wall by a third division side that eventually, yes, they did come through. But the thing is, you know, third division side, they looked absolutely like dog. And then, guess what? Their second round, they got crushed 6-1 by Leipzig. A Leipzig team who ended up uh, getting pretty far in the in the Pokal that same exact year. We also got to the semifinal, but you know, COVID times. Anywho's, um, Chris, I look at it from the standpoint that you know what, it did not turn out the way we wanted, but this provided with us with the exact opportunity to be able to self-reflect, to be able to examine what went wrong so yes uh how and what what did go wrong was uh i don't know if anyone saw it the costa got turned over time and time again they suddenly realized if we aim for this guy um we basically put the defenders on an island tuta looked absolutely horrendous i mean hinteregger is two fouls that he got carded i mean it was just like ugh, like Seeing that happen, you knew immediately that there was no turning back. And even his first foul, you were just kind of like, that wasn't really that necessary, bud. And yet, here we are. We're talking about how Eintracht was down 2-0 extremely quick into the second half. And, you know, we had some some chances in the first half along with Mannheim. We didn't take it, neither did they. But when they freaking came to him in the second half just the way that we were playing was too open the left side was just a no-show I just it was absolutely not happening the Costa had a couple of moments but offensively and defensively he was shown just wide open Roda was doing nothing so was doing nothing like Hasebe had to come and replace Roda uh, it's not exactly a route that we need to be going into, but hey, look, yeah, at it from this standpoint. We kept on hoping that Bore would just find space. You know what? He needs space to be created just a tiny bit for him, and then he will exploit uh, those weaknesses. Look, we had that happen with Silva. He, wait, if he was given space, it could happen. I am 100% certain that if we had Kostic in there, it... I. I think that we would have found at least uh, a goal, like um, with before, if not immediately after uh, the goal, the first goal that was scored, and the match would have been just swinging back in our in our favor. All we needed was a goal for things to just almost like a light switch. To, in my the way that I interpreted the match, all we needed was a goal, and a light switch would just be turned on, and then it will be on like Donkey Kong. Um, I, I do think there may be, uh, if I can attempt to be positive, because it's still early in the year, um, I think there were a couple things to take out of this. Uh, Size-wise, I thought, even though we struggled to get any offense, we, we understood we were bigger physically, and we started to create a little space with our size, but we didn't really know what to do with it. I like the ball movement. We passed the ball pretty well for a team that didn't create many scoring chances. I thought we moved the ball really well. We created space for ourselves. Um, but that finishing touch, creating space in the box is more important. I don't care what you do 30 yards away from the goal to create space. I care how you create that space in the box. So that's something we have to work on. Um, but it wasn't all bad. You know, There were a couple good things going on. Uh, a couple of the new guys were, were actively moving and passing the ball well. 
Um, a little concerning, though, how it didn't lead to anything. But this isn't Glasner's first trip around the around the block. He can figure out a way to coach things, and, and everyone will get more comfortable with his style. So I'm not ready to burn the whole thing down yet, uh, but I've got the matchbox in my hand. <laughs> I mean, a little preemptive, I'll admit, but I look at it from the standpoint that, you know what, this is the kind of result that you do need early on in a tenure <laughs> kind of be able to take it back to the guys and be like, look, you didn't really listen in this capacity and this capacity. Look what happened. What do you... You now have 34 league matches and six European matches to decide what sort of team you are. And what are we going to effing do? And that and it's going to really call them out. I know we're going to talk more about transfers later in the show, but there is also something to be said that we sat around in the early part of the, the summer window uh, waiting to see how the market was going to play, who was worth how much, who was spending, practically nobody. And we really didn't have a complete view of who our first team preferred roster was going to be until just a couple days before uh, that match. So not that they didn't have any awareness on it, but us sitting you know, behind microphones or on the other side of the world, we were not privy to that. I was a little bit surprised by some of those moves, and I think they could have impacted um, the way we came out fairly flat and unprepared. Agreed. Well, let's look at it from the standpoint. It's over. It's done with. We can move on with the rest of our lives. Um, I will say this much, that I am looking forward still to uh, the European competition because of what it will bring. Hey, good luck to Union Berlin because we know who they will play in their qualifying phase of the <laughs> the Europa Conference. Sorry, folks, it's coughs and kicking my ass. <laughs> uh, and we will make do with what we got, which is uh, half capable host, or at least capable of host who's just spitting everywhere. Anywho's. Um, at this standpoint, I'm pretty comfortable with the teams that are currently about to descend into uh, the Europa League with what is currently, you know, going through qualification. There's two Austrian clubs that can join, both Glasgow-based uh, Scottish teams are still there. We have two of the three Turkish giants available. We can travel to Holland. We can travel to Belgium. Greece doesn't sound so bad, as one of our co uh, uh, one of our co-hosts has been enjoying the fruits of that. You know, I'm kind of optimistic when it comes at least to Europe. We got we got some unboring trips ahead of us because there are two club. There are you know two teams in southern France. Uh, there are three already qualified for the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, the two English clubs, well, you don't have to really go far outside of London uh, to enjoy that. Kind of all good. Unless, of course, you want to fridge your balls off and go to Moscow. If there's one thing that this club is good at, it's playing up or down to their competition. Uh, I have no doubts that we'll put up a hell of a better fight in European play. Um, I look forward to it because there's no indication that, that we're going to roll over for that. We should Honestly, I wouldn't mind a trip to Greece. I like I like how with the Europa uh, Conference League, it's really thinned out what is in the Europa League in that there are only two rounds of qualification uh, instead of like five like we had to play a couple seasons ago, which really was a rough way to begin our season. Um, we ran our legs out before November because of that. Yeah, exactly. So a thinner uh, Europa League means that it's going to be more high, I would like to think it's going to be more highly concentrated and uh, yeah, we'll just uh, make do though as you Chris have mentioned to me, if we're not finishing in second place or first place in our group, you just want to finish it fourth yeah, uh, personally I don't find any value in finishing third, I don't care about dropping down to, to conference play, none of that stuff. I, 
we're not we're not a brand that needs any hardware at any cost. I know we've only won what eight trophies in our history, um, but it, our brand is stronger than Europa Comics. And without sounding elitist, I don't want to be that guy, but um, I don't see the value in running our guys out there in a match that nobody's going to watch that doesn't bring value uh, right now the Europa League is where we fit in uh, and I would prefer to build ourselves there yeah right works oh, got no calls here <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about uh, our transfers that have happened and one that is still rumored um, so in or out which way which direction shall we go Chris Let's talk about the ones going out first. All right. Jovlich has been uh, announced as done and dusted. He has joined Major League Soccer side, Los Angeles Galaxy. He will not be needing – he will definitely be needing sunscreen. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a fan favorite of this podcast for a couple years. And we were all patiently waiting for him to make a triumphant debut and – be a provider I don't know what happened I think there will be more uh, coming out as time goes by but I'm really disappointed in that I thought he had an opportunity for us he played pretty well last year out on loan and I don't know I'm kind of disappointed by that one more than anybody else yeah it is a kind of sucker punch isn't it that uh, he has decided to move on but hey you know what that's his life he is well entitled to it um one that is now coming now we have been tipping this for a second Jens Peter Haug is joining Eintracht on loan uh there was a loan fee paid size of one of that with an obligation to with a per, with a purchase option so well we'll see what this kind of brings but uh, in case anyone is not sure of who this chap is um he was on the Bodo Glint uh, team that in 2020 uh, won the Norwegian title, the first Norwegian team to be from above the Arctic Circle to have won the Norwegian title that season before he made his move to Milan. He had 14 goals, 11 assists, and 18 matches played, along with three goals and two assists in three continental matches. So, you know. To me, that's not too bad. I'm trying to wrap my to head around that. A move from the Arctic Circle to Milan is, uh, I mean, the culture Distinct. shock alone Different. is ridiculous. Yeah, apparently that uh, also kind of tripped him up. Uh, he made a total of 24 appearances, scoring five goals and assisting in, I think it was, three or more. Sounds about right. Any years, he was able to run at defenses, especially in the Europa League. And did well there. Just kind of didn't pan out when it came to the league form, per se. So, you know, hey, look, folks, we got a good player. A guy who's got a huge ceiling. This is a guy who can connect play well. And for a former guest on the podcast at Noel Musings. Now, that's Nick Vildhagen uh, from the Talking Foosball podcast. So, this guy is really a good Joe, who's uh, joining us, he's a guy who can go on and become something great. And if he is anything like his uh, uh, fellow countryman, fellow goal scorer, the man who saved us in uh, the 96-97 season, or am I thinking the 97-98 season uh, on the last match day? Chris, help me out here. I'm not recalling right now. Oh, yeah. In case anyone is wondering who exactly uh, this Norwegian sensation is, it is none other than ESPN's own uh, Jan Ate Fjertov. Yeah. yeah. Uh, saved us on that day, sent Nuremberg down, and earned us the erstwhile hatred of Der Klub and all their fans who can kiss my der ass. That dark, that whatever side they want to kiss of mine so they can stick it after putting us nearly through the ringer in 
the uh, relegation playoff. Anywho, I'm getting a little angry here. Um, how? Let's talk about positivity uh, about uh, this player and uh, the rumored <laughs> striker. Well, I think it's important to look at the response from Milan fans. I, even though he wasn't they feel playing they're a lot there, he wasn't contributing a lot. They they were disappointed to lose him. So that's a good thing for us. Uh, anytime, kind of like the, the Turkish fans were when Ackman signed with us, uh, they were all up in arms saying, this is terrible, why would you do this? And so anytime the opposite fans have that reaction, that's got to be a good thing for us. Agreed, 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 as I refill my beverage with uh, my entry for hashtag what are we drinking? <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, totally agree. For those people listening on the live, uh, who are unaware, we have a live chat option on our Discord that you can join in. And Chris and Austin just made the comical joke, which I would. Can I read that out? Can I read that out? I think so. Huh. Okay, yeah, the, the Turks can get bent considering that. Ackman went out on loan to Hull to the Netherlands. All right, there we go. All right, uh, is that the, do we need to put the expletive tag on this yet? But anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> but as we're talking about transfers, the Ackman one kind of came as a surprise to me. I thought he had the ability to to provide some offense for us this year. I know he's let's extremely get a young. lot of starts under him. Let's get yeah. him starting matches week in, week out. Yeah. You know, I thought and that he he's also a guy already. who he started training with the club back in May, April or May, I want to say. So he's mm-hmm. not one that had to make a summer adjustment for us. Uh, he he had been here for several months ahead of the other newcomers. I thought it would have been a good fit. You know, it's okay if they want him to grow for a year. He's still really young, um, but I would Skinny like to follow as a real. that. Very, very closely. Yeah. Uh, to me, it looked pretty... Uh, I was all right in terms of uh, seeing that he was uh, going out alone. Look, if he's able to uh, do well, then, hey, more to him. I like the fact that we are able to really uh, get everything uh I just, done. I just don't want it to turn into another situation um, like Dovalich where this guy shows growth, he shows development, and as soon as we're ready to see him appear with the first team, it's, you know, time to move, time to go somewhere with Beaches and Sancho. Um, 100%. Not every player is the same. I know everyone has their different motivations, but uh, Ackman to me is one that I don't want to see him out for two years or years uh, if he develops well this year on his loan i want to see him with the first team next season 100 100 percent. that being said chris it's time for hashtag what are we drinking let's break things up how shall we eh, what do you got for us all right so i'm sitting on a local michigan beer uh, one of my favorites one that most people have heard of here uh, founders the biggest brewery in michigan put out some <sighs> really awesome stuff and okay. The all day vacay wheat ale. Wheat ale. This isn't a. It better not be a sour. Because sours can stick it. Uh, yeah. Everyone knows on here that I'm not, not, not a fan of sours. But hey, you know what? You know, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone at all. Um, I'm going old school. Since 1881. This manufacturer has been creating Ibovoy, uh in Germany, and I am drinking the extra dry hard cider, and you know what, the Frankfurter Epfelwein from Posman does the trick every time. Plus, it's been kind of hot out, so you know, might as well uh, drink up me hearties, as they say, in uh, parts of the Caribbean. You know, fun series. Not exactly the best for substance, but, you know, I'm picky when it comes to that. All right, we're going to flip it over to part two, so stay with. And we're back, Ryan and Chris, part two. Now time to talk. Chris, guess what? It's about the Eintracht team that is here 
and it's time to talk about the defense. Um, we have had one player leave from the defensive line. Well, it's not really defensive line. It's our backup keeper um, who has decided that he did not want to stick around at Eintracht, so we have sold him for 1 million euros to Union Ronau, your guy. Yeah. Uh, has moved on, sadly. But... You know what? It's okay. Um, I, the writing was on the wall last year when <laughs> with Trap sticking around. There's just no room. He's still a worthy number one somewhere. Um, it was time to go, and he he carried us through a, a rough time when Trap was out injured, and that's how I'll always remember his name. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we did get uh, a couple of uh, guys to kind of fill the void. So, um, Bord- Bordner, who uh, made the appearance in match day 34, to make his debut, has left on loan for Victoria Cohn. We hope that he does well in the Dritte Liga. But, you know, uh, it's only a matter of time to see. I know he's at least played once uh, for Victoria Cohn, but. Uh, not exactly sure which competition um, we have uh, Jens Grau uh, has joined the Eintracht uh, along with Tiat Ramage uh, Ramage came from Heidenheim and Grau has come to us from Stuttgart where he was basically a backup he has a, honestly he has not played a, comp- <laughs> a competitive match since 2016 so uh, <coughs> right. So entire careers have come and gone since 2016. So I don't know how much I'm gonna, how much weight I'm gonna put in that one. It's, it's ride Kevin or die with Kevin Trap right now. That's just yeah, like last year. We're there are no eggs in the basket. It's all yeah, Kevin um, yeah. Like last year, it's really as you said, ride or die with KT, and fingers crossed that he stays healthy for the entire season because. We had Ronald do well. That was great. And then he got hurt, and we were stuck on Vietvald. That that felt dark. Dark as they come. Um, But the rest of the defense stays the same. So um, Da Costa has returned to the Eintracht. Uh, Christopher Lenz has joined the Eintracht. You know, he can play central defender. He can play out on the left. He looked poor on the left, but I think in terms of doing that left wingback role, um, he was just so out of his element. I don't know why we didn't have Zuber out on the left, but (sighs) getting over it, getting over it. Um, To me, we're still short in central defense, but if we play with a defensive three, we can make do. Especially as Kostic looks like he's going to stay. Yeah, that's the biggest question mark still out there. As we were talking about transfers before. Um, and Tori is still hurt, so and he's been hurt right, for right. so long. It's just he'll just be like almost like a new signing when he comes in. That hamstring injury is going to be nagging. I feel it's, that's not the kind of injury where you know you come back to training, you come back to a match, you're not going to be 90 minutes fit for a month or two straight for quite a while. No, no leg injuries ever are. Um, it'll take adjustment when he comes back on the right side. We have a lot of experience on the right side um, with Chandler, uh, Durham. Of Durham, but it's who's hot at any given moment because all three yeah. of those guys are are frequent and disappearing acts. So I guess you, you know one way to look at it is roll with the hot foot, whoever that might be. Um, personally, uh, I like Dacosta out there, but again, he's he's known to be too aggressive sometimes or not aggressive enough and disappear for 30 minutes at a time. We can't have that. So at least he's not showing up fat. Yeah, I I was actually pretty impressed with his fitness uh, last time out. Um, Derm will be Mike must have gotten him fit. Right. Right. Uh, it's, you know, all that bad food down the river. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I think the thing for me was Durham developed in a very positive way last year. From the beginning of the year, 
when we picked him up and he was just totally irrelevant. Later in the year, he became pretty reliable. So True. if he continues developing, that, that would be definitely a positive thing for the right side. He's 29 years old. And um, am I crazy or is he a World Cup winner? He never played, right? But he was, he was there. He was on and, the bench. Um, so he, he's, he's a guy with some experience. So if he can fit into that right wing role as a regular, I'd love to see it. We haven't had a solid right wing in a while. That's true. That's true. Um, it's something that I've hoped Hristic could have uh, been a part of. But hey, who would have figured that he would have fit in perfectly, you know, as an attacking central midfielder? Anywho, he is injured for this weekend's match, and uh, we'll see, kind of see where things are. Or when it does come to the this weekend's match, we actually are blessed in the fact that we're we, unlike Bayfell Bay, uh, don't have half our team out uh, on the injured list. So, anywho, uh, midfield. Let's get to that. Um, still got the likes of. Uh, I guess you could say. Two kind of Libro, old school Libros, and uh, two can play both in defense and in midfield are Hasebe and Ilsenko. They're still there. Um, I'm really excited about what we have added in Lindstrom. Uh, he's able to play on either wing, able to play in central midfield as well. So to me, it's a good spot to be in, but I still worry because. When it comes to the defensive midfielder, we have two players. And uh, that's not exactly a deep enough team to me. Uh, because uh, Rode is liable to break down at 30 years old. And Hasebe, god dang it, I love this bastard. I love him to death. You know what? He's going to be turning 38. He's the oldest Bundesliga player uh, in the outfield, if memory serves. I love him to death. He's got more appearances for the Eintracht than he does with any other club. He loves this club to death. He wants, apparently a role is waiting for him the moment he decides that he wants to retire. This guy is a wonder to for anyone. He's one of, I would say, one of the more interesting players in the entire Bundesliga. Someone that everyone would respect. But the problem is, eventually the legs do go and Two guys who are 30, and especially one who is, uh, you know, liable for to break down. That doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. So it's something that I hope the team already has someone in the youth ranks to possibly get promoted and fill that void. Or we're going to have to go shopping in with in the next oh, over the course of the next 11 months to find someone to replace Rodic because Hasebe will will freaking. Never quit. <laughs> you know, you did mention Rota a minute ago. Uh, Glasner put a lot of confidence in him by naming him the primary captain. And I don't understand that. Don't understand it. Don't understand I, I don't it. either for somebody who's not going to appear as much. Maybe he knows more than we do about his health. But um, but maybe he's trying to, to spark some confidence in him too. But Rota is a guy who um, plays better when his jersey is dirty. That means he's going in and attacking hard, um, he's aggressive, and that naturally leads to injury. So I have a lot of concerns about his durability. Uh, Jabril So, who was a very strong positive last year, grew as the season went on, grew immensely. Um, but there's a lot of questions about his defensive ability to get back. He's really good at distribution in the middle. When a play comes up the wing and moves to him in the middle, but I got a lot of questions about him getting back defensively. Uh, to me, that's the biggest question mark, is that that central area getting back defensively. Uh, believe it or not, Il Sanker is going to be uh, he's going to be a go-to there. And I can't believe I'm saying that. But uh, he's grown on me a little bit, and we're just going to have to stick with it. Hey. Look, on the left... We got hostage. We're good. For now. I think, yeah, that's true. I As think, we record, uh, we have costage. Yes. I think Lindstrom would be a guy who I would want to have out on the right. 
I'm not exactly sure if that is his <laughs> perfect position, but we'll kind of find out as time goes on. To me, this is the strong, this aside from between the sticks, is the strongest part of the Eintracht team. Now let's go to attack, where I'm worried the most. So, did we lose? I bothered to ask. I bothered to ask. Uh, Rafael Santos Bore. Uh, Tim Vickery, you know, he's on many different uh, social media platforms talking about South American soccer. Been doing it since 1994. Knows his stuff. Is bother to ask him. Okay, he's gone, went to Europe young, came back, and then has now returned to Europe. And a point was made. He is going to pick up yellow cards and there's a real chance that he doesn't turn out the way we want him to. But yet, at the end of the day, this guy gets on fire, this guy's going to be a Silva. If he gets the service, if he gets the confidence, if he develops that rapport, this guy can be a Silva, but he's also a little, just a little like Jovic in the fact that, you know, if he gets frustrated, he's going to kick someone. It's true, but there is one thing that Jovic and Silva had in common during their time here in Frankfurt. What was that? They were being fed by Philip Kostic. So yeah. if he sticks around, um, Kostic has the ability. He made Bastos look like, I don't know, a, a genius. Um, so Kostic has the ability to make anybody inside that box a bigger target than their body says they are. So as long as Kostic is out on that left wing, uh, Bore or anybody else, I think, will get fed enough. It's it's not just the sure. amount of times they're fed, it's how effective those feeds are coming in. And Kostic has proven the ability to do that. And he wasn't there this weekend, so this past weekend. So that's really important when we look at the offense that was missing in the cup match. Um, not that it all has to run through Kostic because we've seen teams eventually learn how to shut that down. But as far as Borek being ineffective in the match, uh, that probably wouldn't be so much the case with Kostic in, in the lineup. Sure. Um, let's look at some of the guys who are kind of more the anticipated attacking midfielders that will be involved. So we've already talked about our new Norwegian signing, Jens Petterheg. Um, Daichi Kamada has not been sold to England because uh, the English team in question is too worried about if they're going to lose their almighty England captain striker. So, so they haven't exactly followed up suit with buying Kamada. Cause, Wait, uh, are, are you know. talking about uh, the guy that brought football home? Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> oh, if only, if only if Ragnar had scored one or two more goals... Germany could have had a real run at the uh, gold medal for gold medal, but you know what? He came back, back injured. He actually scored quite a few goals at the Olympics uh, for Germany, so that really gave him a bit of positivity. But he got injured again, so good grief. I don't know what to do with this guy. It's only a matter of time before I just lose patience with him. He's so, so quick. Patience. He, he's so quick. Yeah, I know. He's so, he's so uh, fun to watch. Just his ability to to affect the play. But right now, he can't be trusted to stay healthy. And True. we cannot rely on him uh, more than a bench guy at this time. Another guy who we don't know if we can rely on or not is Amin Yunus. Um, I hope that we execute the buy option. And then if he really wants to go to Saudi Arabia or anywhere in the Persian Gulf, region of the world you know what I would not put it against him if he did that because hey if you want to earn seven eight million euros which is way more than you were earning even playing for Napoli in Italy I will not hold it against you because hey you know what you only have one career and best you make your money whilst you can that's yeah. all I got to say to that I, and I was my much, club before in Kansas I was, I was much higher on Jonas uh, when we didn't have any other options there in the attacking mid. Um, I've been high on Lindstrom since the move was made. I'm high on Rustich after the way he turned it up at the end of last year. 
I think there are also guys that are more adaptable to different places. Uh, I don't hold Jonas' like, size Barkov. against him because Jonas was able to do what he could without the size. But there are times where I think size would be effective in that role. And uh, guys like Barcock, Lindstrom, uh, Rusich, not as much. But there is more to be had there. So I don't want Jonas to leave. But if he does, I don't think it's the biggest step. Yeah, do it for the right reasons. And, of course, uh, we don't know what the heck we're going to do with the guy, so I think he's just going to stay on the bench and come off the bench every now and then. Gonzalo Paciencia. Um, he's kind of a beloved guy amongst his fellow teammates, so I think he's a good locker room guy to have around, but it just kind of sucks that it might seem that his usefulness has kind of run its course. And, uh, whatever. Raw, raw, Cisco Bar guy. I guess we can make do, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right, folks. So we've kind of gone through the pluses and minuses that we see in our offense and defense and midfield. Um, before we go into uh, this weekend's match against uh, Baseball Bay, um, it's time to talk about the table. It's time to talk. No, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the season hasn't started yet, but you know what? It's time to make a prediction. Who's going to uh, be where? <sighs> Chris, you got to give me a top four. If you want to give me a top six, that's on you. Um, and, uh, of course, you have to give me a bottom two. I'm only going bottom two because, let's be real, uh, we thought Cologne was dead and buried, and yet <laughs> they still pulled it out in the second leg in the playoffs. So I'm kind that of now 16 spot six. is just chaos every year. So yeah. Well, I'll start with the bottom two. So, for those that haven't heard me rant before, I hate everything Nuremberg, and I love that Firth is up here in the Bundesliga doing their <laughs> thing. Um, the, the way overlooked brother there in uh, Franconia. But Firth, I, it's amazing what they did last year. And someone else said they punched well above their weight class. Uh, they can't True. do it two years in a row. I think they're going to go Especially down. not with a former Eintracht player as captain. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> Proud of me, Hokota. <laughs> and and is Julian Green still there? Julian Green's still there and uh, Tillman. Okay. So there's uh, some so multiple Americans. Sure. Yeah. Multiple um, Americans. Unfortunately, okay. I don't think it's going to be enough. There, there's just not enough firepower there. Are you saying that the, that that Henry Kissinger cheering them from the stands is not going to uh, entice them to perform better? I you know, but, but look at how things went in uh, certain parts of this hemisphere outside of America. It is a cool stadium. I, I love Perth. It's uh, old school. Suburban area of Nuremberg. Uh, it's more very with familiar. the loss of Freiburg Stadium. Now, okay, folks, uh, Freiburg is not moving into their new stadium just yet. It's not just ready, but they will be moving into it really quickly. So we've got a few more matches. Uh, the first three matches are going to be played at the old stadium. Uh, the the Schwarzwald Stadion, what's the, yeah, yeah, Stadion has got three more matches in it, so we get to enjoy it for just a little bit longer, but yeah, Earth Stadium, same kind of an iteration. It's so. a cool little place, I've been there a couple times, it's a, it's a fun place to watch a game. So um, are they in 18th for you though? You know what, it doesn't matter, 17th, 18th. Um, but I'll tell you who's going to be down there with them fighting for safety. It's going to be Bochum. Ooh. Yeah. I don't think they're going to score enough uh, to save themselves. I think they'll be in a better position. So I'll put them at 17 uh, compared mm. to first. But so Bochum. we're going to so, – so you think that because we don't foresee Schalke returning anytime soon, you think that – in the 2022-2023 season, we will not have a Revier Derby of any type. I mean, I just put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> now now you it. can't hold me to it. But. Top four now. All right, top four. Um, last year, I thought it was going to be the year that Dortmund unseated Bayern. And that went down early, very quickly, and I felt bad about that prediction by October. Um, th- 
this year, I think Dortmund, while they lost a lot of pieces, I don't think what they gained or what they retained by saving their Champions League asses, uh, I don't think they have enough for that one spot. I think it'll be Bayern again. Bayern didn't give up much. They didn't add a lot. Um, but nobody else added enough to overtake them. They have consistency uh, from year to year, and they're going to retain that title, in my opinion. Uh, two and three is going to be interesting because Leipzig added uh, some guy that used to play for us, and I think he's going to struggle a little more. <laughs> he's, he's not going to score 28 goals this year, uh, but he will be effective scoring there. Everyone thought they would fall off when Timo, Timo Werner left. They really didn't mm-hmm. skip a beat. They just kind of adapted to losing a high, high-power high goal scorer. This year they added a high-power goal scorer. I think they'll compete with Bayern until the very end, just like they did last year. Um, sounds like the exact same preview we do every year. Three or four, <laughs> it, it could go any direction. I still think it's going to be Dortmund. Uh, we were talking off-air about the pieces they lost, uh, about all the pieces they're out injured. But I think they have the best scouting department in all of Germany and one of the top three or four scouting departments in all of Europe. And they always pull rabbits out of hats. So, like, they did to come back from, uh, what was it, seven points out with eight matches left. They pulled a rabbit Ugh. out of the hat. Um, I think they're not going to have to do that this year. I think they'll consistently be in the top four. And uh, that fourth spot is up for grabs. I think there's a team that's going to rebound this year. Uh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Um, the Foles. I think Gladbach's going to play to the potential that people thought they had in the preseason last year. I think they're going to play up to it this year. And um, unfortunately, I think Adi Hooter and his team are going to finish. Where does Eintracht finish? I've got a solidly at eight right now. Um, they're, they're, if you're not in the top four, it doesn't really matter. But I think we're on the outside looking in as far as Europe mm-hmm. goes right now. We have too many question marks. I really question where we're going to get the goals. I know there's potential for goals. I don't think they're there right now. Potential is potential until it shows up. So I still if, think to counter your goal scoring issue, I will still say – uh, there's way too many teams who don't who are in worse situations. I'm talking about Cove. I'm talking about Mainz because they got weaker in that sort of category. I'm talking about Fürth. I'm talking about Bochum, Bielefeld, Union because they're going to be playing in Europe. Hertha has really cut weight. Augsburg. Well, you'll find you know, out as I get my. There, there, there was a point last year. Predictions. Uh, there was a point last year in December where Freiburg made a run where they were scoring four goals a match. And uh, if anyone's new to soccer, you win one of two ways. You score a lot of goals or you don't score any goals. If you do just a little bit of each and you're average, you get stuck in the table. And unfortunately, I kind of think that's where we are right now, where we're going to have our runs where we score some goals. But I think our, our aging guys in the defensive mid area might become a lot. I think we're also going to allow more goals than we're comfortable with and more than Kevin Trapp is ever accustomed to giving up. So sure. right now at the moment I see us as mid-table, but I see the potential. If, if Brian, if your optimism comes through, there is potential to put up plenty of goals and move up that table. So I'll, I'll say we have a ceiling of five, and I'll say we have a basement of nine. I know that's pretty And where wide. do we finish in Europe? I, I don't like these predictions. There's too many unknowns at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'll just go ahead and say what Nathan told me. So, Firth and Bochum also down. Uh, they're, they're, I'm pretty sure if if his bottom three were the bottom three because he had Bielefeld in 16th, I won't be surprised if they're good. If those three finished in the bottom three, then all three would go down because I didn't. I still look at Bielefeld and say, 
you are punching so far above your weight that if it wasn't for your absolutely great, let's be real, they're a great defense, like hold on to your butts defense. That was what single-handedly saved them because they had the fewest goals in the Bundesliga, or maybe the second fewest. I think Schalke was yeah. the worst. Yeah, they, but they, they, they could were not score in the red bad. light district. It was bad. Yeah. I think they only had a, like two or three matches where they scored more than one goal, and they never scored more than two. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, Nathan has Bayern, Dortmund, Gladbach, Leipzig. So... Yeah, just switch uh switch Gladbach and Leipzig around, and you basically have Chris's uh, top four with Eintracht in sixth. So if uh, if someone who's in the top five did not win uh, the day of April count, we would move into the Europa Conference League playoff round, which is what Union is going to do. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Um, if things end up that way. And we drop into third, and we win the competition. At the end of the day, I'm gonna be happy, and I'm gonna be celebrating that victory, even though it kind of feels a little hollow, because uh, it's new. All right, my time before we get into our predictions for the match. Uh, Baseball being Eintracht, uh, my bottom two. I think it is actually going to be. Uh, Bielefeld and Bochum. I think Firth does. You've given me enough belief that. Uh, they will stay up. Not only will Fifth stay up, I think that they're going to finish in 15th. I actually think time is come for Augsburg to drop into the bottom three. They went back with Marcus Weinzel, who has just gone from failure to failure uh, at Schalke. And then Stuttgart, things have not been good for that guy. Like ever since he got Augsburg to that, what was it, uh, the fifth, sixth place finish, and then they got into uh, uh, the Europa League and they made it to the, uh, I think, like the uh, round of 32 or maybe it was round of 16. They played Liverpool and the fans of Liverpool said, we did not deserve to win that thing. The Augsburg deserved to win it. Ever since then, Augsburg has been basically living off of borrowed time. Bindsill has been doing absolutely nothing. Look, they usually do enough to stay up, but I think that the time is quickly eroding on those guys. Um, they're just they're just not a team that I think that's gonna that is long for this league and. I just look at them in certain places. You have names that you know of, but that's only because they've been at Augsburg so long or been in the Bundesliga so long that they're now like over 30. And, you know, there are maybe I'll be proven wrong, but Augsburg looked bad for most of the last year. They just were not as bad as Schalke and Bremen and Cologne, but they were flirting with that the whole time. And they don't have any new direction, from what I can see. So, I, there's a if they finish in 16th, I would not be surprised because who is down in the second division? If Augsburg finished in 16th, a team like Augsburg could go down. That second division. Before you give your top four, uh, that second division might it's be hot. more exciting than the first division this year, just because of the names down there. And how desperately they want it, they want to come back. It could be. Really There's just not enough places for them to come back. No way. <laughs> There's just not enough places even, for them to come back. Even if the three biggest names come up, there's one or two big ones that will be left out. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so now time for me to reveal my top four. So in fourth place, I have Leverkusen. Um, I think that the coach that they brought in uh, Sione. He was who we wanted before Glasner. And there's a reason why. Um, he took Ali Kutcher's team at Young Boys and kept winning. He won the three successive titles afterwards, got them into the knockout phases of the Europe League each time, You know, led them through the Champions League, I think twice in the group phase, each time getting into the Europe League subsequently afterwards. 
Um, I think that they, despite losing, um, oh, who's the Jamaican international? I'm now blanking on his name. Uh, it will come to me in a short while. But look, this is a team that last year was a real, to me, real disappointment. They were leading the league at one point, and yet everything just fell apart on them. Um, and they're, they got Patrick Schick, and not going to lie, that flipping goal from the halfway line, uh, if you can't cheer for a guy who is able to knock one in like that, uh, who can you cheer for? Um, they've brought in, I mean, they've brought in uh, defensive players uh, on money from teams that you've actually heard of, like Stauder on Club Brugge. Uh, they brought on the uh, defense. Uh, one of the uh, first reserves for PSG, so not exactly a small club. Uh, Leon Bale is the guy who uh, left. But the thing is, this is a guy who knows how to build a side and progress, and they're going to benefit from the fact that uh, like them finishing last year and the pattern that they did, I mean, you know, it's nice that they were able to uh, finish in six, but I honestly think that they are in a better place to succeed with a new manager at the helm than our own selves are. So I think they're going to finish in fourth. Um, yeah, the top three is exactly as everyone is going to think of it. Um, I it's going to be Dortmund third because they just have no they don't have enough defense. They have enough offense, but they can't keep out. They won't be able to keep out the goals. Um, you know if. Leipzig had not lost any other defensive, er, anyone from their defense. I would actually put them out first, but I think we're going to go all the way down to the final match day, and Leipzig will be in second, and Bayern in first. And I think Bayern is going to have some growing pains. I think they're going to drop a lot of points this year, uh, more points than they dropped in the Kovic title-winning season. Let's put it that way. So, that's so it, it will be much more competitive. Year. I mean, last year I relative honestly to think, yeah, two years ago. I do ago, think but. it's going to be like two years ago where uh, it was decided on the final match day. And I think Dortmund will technically be in it until match day 32, as late as 32. And for a third-place team to be sticking around that long, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, if anyone's curious, <sighs> if i got to start throwing out names, who's going to finish in uh, fifth and Sixth, um, that's going to be the likes of Stuttgart because I think that Stuttgart is they lost no one, lost no one, kept everything straight. I think that it's time that they're going to pop into Europe and it's going to be the injection into the arm that they need to keep most of those guys. And I think they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to return back to being what they should be, which is a top half. Uh, table team, and I think Gladbach finishes in 6th with uh, Freiburg in 7th and Eintracht in 8th because I think Freiburg has lost no one, and they're just, yeah, they're just going to finally punch their year, which when they don't lose anybody and they did a mid-table finish, they then punch into uh, Europe each time. Yeah. So Brian, I got a, a question for you. Um, where do you have Union they were kind of a surprise last year, jumping ninth, seven. You think they're going to go down a, a notch? They're still going to be in the top half, ninth. And that's still I think, where they are developing. I think that's still good for them. The thing they did last year is they were competitive against the top teams. And exactly. And in case anyone's wondering, from where them, they can still do good. as for the other European place team, at Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg is going to get shellacked. I think they're actually going to – I think that they're going to be in relegation trouble, like flirt with it to the point that they actually make a coaching change. Uh, and Mark Van Bommel will not see the entire season out. They're going to be embarrassed in the Champions League, finishing bottom of their group. I do not care who's in their group. They're going to finish bottom of it. And the only thing that's going to keep them going is the fact that they have a good defensive uh, foundation. So, all right, we've done enough previews and everything. It's time for – 
predictions of what is for the match day ahead because we basically have already talked about all the positives of the Eintracht that may mention uh, the Bayfall Bay being injured AF. So, hey guys, we're on top spiel. Chris in Detroit, what is your prediction? So, as I was getting ready today for this recording, uh, I went back and listened to our show from last year to open up. Mm. Oh, and, God. And I recall my prediction in an opening match against the LFL, the 5-1. And I thought we were going to romp and stomp our way to glory. Uh, yeah, that 1-1 draw was a depressing start to the league season. Um, but, but it showed exactly what we were to get from the LFL. Exactly. Uh, so where, where I think we're going with, where, where I was starting this uh, pattern of thought, is that you don't know what you're going to get off the start. We never have, and especially with all the question marks we still have roster-wise, I don't think what we're going to see this weekend is what we're going to be playing with most of the year. Um, but but uh, Dortmund also has a lot of question marks and a lot of holes in the roster with injuries this early in the year can be disruptive. So if there was ever a time to steal points from a top, a top team in expected top team in the league it's week one anything can happen in week one we've seen it year after year um that being said i don't think we have the firepower yet i don't think we have it in order but i do think we'll finally get a goal after 90 competitive minutes we're gonna put one in uh, i'm gonna go with a one-to-one draw we'll steal points you know i've been more and more positive because i made a prediction when i was a guest on the yellow podcast but you've really talked me off of that and <laughs> i'm really good know, at that yeah you are um i'm not predicting the i track to even get a point in this i am predicting the goal i think it's going to be a two to one loss to bayfile bay but we will be pushing dortmund until the very end which will make us feel like we got a little small slice of a moral victory and beware alex Park of 25,000 Eagles screaming their heads off and uh, the Eintracht then opened up a can of whoop-ass on your ass. I think it's important <laughs> that that we're physical from the start. If we just try to get comfortable and work things out, I don't think it's going to work well for us. I think we have to be aggressive right away, push the ball early. Uh, we have a habit of playing really good against Dortmund. Not always taking three points, usually pulling out a draw in a game where we only play 10 minutes of great ball. But I really think pushing the physical play early, um, even if it means taking a couple cards, uh, preferably not early, but, you know, in the middle section of the game, just to kind of say, hey, you can't push us around despite what you may have seen last week. Indeed. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this preview podcast with a preview of Eintracht versus Borussia Dortmund. Reviewing, of course, our... Uh match in the day bay pokal which is going to be forgotten about uh, by the end of the weekend remember eintracht is in top spiel so the final match of the saturday uh, if you do follow the second division yes there is immediately following the eintracht match there will be a uh, the zweite liga top spiel because they got rid of their monday uh, matches uh, but yeah eintracht versus dortmund with this being top spiel this means everywhere in the world your provider for the Bundesliga will be showing Eintracht. So, enjoy it here, there, and everywhere across the world. Chris, where can we find you in social media, Landscape of the World? You can find me on Twitter, uh, ranting about all things Eintracht Frankfurt, and otherwise in the sports world, at C and the D 313 and the same on our Discord channel. And you can follow me on Twitter, at KCSGE. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at HEF. And you should also retweet our link to this page because you, like those from our Facebook page for this week's episode, will be entered in our competition to win Eintracht's the wonderful white shirt from the 2020-2021 season that we're going to finally raffle off in the fun in next week's episodes. We'll be drawing that uh, after we get our season kicked off. So, uh, Chris been fun uh i think it's time for us to say adieu um 
Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 180 of this podcast. We do this as fans for you, our fellow fans of the Eintracht, not necessarily maybe fans of us as the podcast, because sometimes we come out with some controversial issues. Um, look, in the meantime, stay safe, wear a mask, try and be, do, be, be and make smart decisions with your life if you feel that vaccination is the way forward for you then please do so and help out those who uh, are unable to help out themselves so in the meantime stay safe and choose